too many self-inflicted wounds, whether it was drops, um, missed tackles, you know, things we didn't do in week one that we did in week two that, you know, hurt us. A drive going, we have a fumble. I think we won the turnover battle, but when, when you fumble it, when you turn it over three times, that's not good. So things we can control, how well we tackle on defense, um, you know, the penalties that kept the drives alive, whether we had a, too many drops to be consistent, um, you know, as a team. Didn't do what we needed to do to beat a really good football team. It's time to talk 49ers football on Gold Faithful with Brian Peacock and Nick Winkler. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Thanks again for joining us on Gold Faithful. I am Brian Peacock. With me, as always, is Mr. Nick Winkler. You can follow me at BD Peacock on Twitter. You can find him at Bay Area Wink. We've got a great show today. Jeff Dini from Pro Football Focus is going to be here. We're going to get deep into the stats and uh, the analytics and see what's really going on in these first two games as we bring on the Seahawks, or actually we go to the Seahawks in Seattle, which I'm very excited about. Nick, man, how do you feel after the week two loss in Carolina? You know, what made me the most upset in that game, uh, week two, no pressure on Cam Newton. You know, you, you saw it the week before. I, I get it. It was the Rams, but th- he just, he had all day. And then when, when it started to break down, he would run and, and he would, he would get a first down. And I felt like it was happening over and over and over. And, and it was just, you know, back to the same stuff as last year, four for 14 on third down, one for three in the red zone, it, it, Gabbert throwing ground balls, you know, missing guys down the field. I'll be honest with you though. I loved the downfield shots because we didn't see that in week one. So he was chucking it downfield. He just, you know, and, and here's another thing too, before, before I get off my, my soapbox here, <laughs> Gabbert scored the touchdown on the keeper, right? But if I'm not mistaken, that was the first time he kept the read option all game long. You have mm-hmm. to keep that read option occasionally in order to make it work. You can't just keep giving it to hide. I saw the same thing. There were so many times where he could have uh, – he made the wrong read. He he yeah. handed it off instead of keeping it. And they were they pretty much said, go ahead and keep it if you want. We're going after Hyde. And uh, he, he didn't keep it until that play. And Keekley was bailing out of there going after the run. So obviously that, that could have worked – in their favor more often if you'd have kept it. Um, you don't want to see your starting quarterback get totally banged up, and who knows, maybe in the week leading up, they're like, hey, you're running too much. Let's dial that back. But if they're going to give it to you, you got to take it. Yeah, if you're going to run the read option, you have to keep it. You have to have that threat, and he did it in week one, and it worked very, very well, and you're right. Maybe they got a little scared, and yeah, hey, hey, tone it back down a little bit, you know, bring reel it back in, but – the first time he kept it is in the fourth quarter. I mean, come on, keep it early. You know, even if you just slide, show them that you're actually going to do it so that they're not just selling out every play. And, you know, Hyde's getting one yard per carry. It just oh, it got really frustrating. Yeah, and going back to Cam really quick, uh, Jim O'Neill did say that I think that was part of their game plan was to sort of and, and you see him do this with uh, this happens a lot with with athletic quarterbacks is in, rather than blitzing them and making them move they want to keep him in the pocket so it's more about containment than it is about the pass rush and so he didn't dial up as many blitzes and they weren't really trying to get home on cam as much but he's still able to run around i really don't like that um i just don't like that strategy just go get him you know yeah. put pressure on him if they do get away and make an amazing play then you tip your cap to him but otherwise you gotta you gotta put pressure on him and the 49ers really had no business being in that game for most of it even with the panthers trying to give it away. The 49ers <laughs> Literally weren't. giving them the ball over and over. They gave them the ball 
on an interception, give it right back on the one-yard line. I mean, that is the miracle scenario to go on the road and and pretty much win a scheduled loss, and the 49ers still weren't able to capitalize. And it's – go ahead. Well, we talked about it last week, you know, how, how this was kind of mirroring 2015 and we were afraid it was going to continue to – and it, it did. You know, it even it, just down to Vance McDonald, you know, huge play for a touchdown. Next drive, huge drop. Like it's just over and over and over. Same thing. Gabbert, you know, no time to throw back there. Just missing his pass time and time again. No pressure on Newton. No coverage either. I mean, don't get me wrong. I can't imagine trying to cover huge human beings like Greg Olson and uh, and Kelvin Benjamin. Those guys are beasts. But, but if there's no pressure on Newton – he's going to have all day to find these guys and, and just lob it up to him. And, and we saw it over and over and it, that was a hard game to watch. You said it, they, they had no business being in that game, but the fact of the matter is they were in that game and they were in that game late and all they let it slip away. Yeah, I think the final score looks more like last year's week two than, than what the actual game played out as at the end of the game it was pretty much uh, the Carolina turned it on there and the 49ers were done, but, but 46 points by the Panthers. Um, that wasn't really indicative of how the game looked through most of it. Uh, but but obviously the 49ers weren't able to capitalize. And like Chip said, they didn't play well enough to beat a really good team on the road. Yeah, and you know, things were falling their way. Obviously, the, the tipped interception right out of the gate, and then Jonathan Stewart going down. I mean, it's like the everything was falling, you know, in the in the right direction, you know, aiming towards the 49ers. And and it just, yeah, they, they just they made too many mistakes. No efficiency on third down, which again, and Chip mentioned it there in the open. I kept writing another penalty because it did. It kept drives alive and it was Oh man, just just one of those one of those really really frustrating games which we know we're going to get this season and this was one that, you know, I I I got a little crazy last week and I bought into the hype and I said they they could win this low scoring game and you know, I I couldn't possibly <laughs> have been more wrong, but they could have won this game. It wasn't low scoring, but oh man, this is and now and now they got to come back. They got to fly cross country and they got to come home and then they got to fly up to Seattle and they got to go into one of the toughest places to play in the entire NFL. It's it's brutal. Yeah, we'll get a little bit more into the, the Seattle thing, and we've got some numbers on that. When we talk to Jeff Dini, we're going to look at some winnable aspects of that game, even on the road in a place that's been pretty tough for the 49ers. But uh, back to this game in Carolina this past Sunday, one of the things I was worried about watching week one that I didn't think would translate into week two, and that was the 49ers defense just completely stonewalling the Carolina offense. The 49ers had so many opportunities, even when the offense wasn't really rolling. The Rams were continually punting back to the 49ers. Uh, and that wasn't happening in week two. When when the Panthers were stopping the run, you put the 49ers in third and long, and that's going to be a really bad scenario for the 49ers ongoing. And, and, and I mentioned that last week. And when you look at time of possession, which is not a big deal, and Chip Kelly does even last year's or last week's domination of the Rams, 49ers still only had 32 minutes time of possession. But in this game, they only had 24.06 time of possession. So it was really dominated and skewed over to the uh, to the Panthers' side. But the thing that I really worry about is is the third down. So when teams are able to stop the run on the 49ers, Gabbert was 28.6%, four conversions in 14 attempts on third downs. And that's not his strength, throwing past the sticks. And we saw it. Uh, they were able to hit the one pass to Torrey Smith for the touchdown. It was a great throw. But there was nobody there. It, it, there were so many one-on-ones on the outside, and Gabbert either passes them up, passes up the looks, or misses the throws. That one, there was not only was he one-on-one on the outside on a post route, there was no safety in the middle of the field. You know, so you have to make that throw. Um, but so many times, and, and I covered the game for Pro Football Focus this week, and I actually did 
charted all the routes for the Panthers and 49ers. And man, Gabbert, not only is he does he miss easy throws, he passes up open players on the outside and deep and it just makes the defenses not have to respect it. And you saw you know, the and you saw the Panthers not respect it, and they still didn't. They beat him on that one play. Uh, they did get the long pass to to Vance McDonald, which was a great play call, a great throw, and a, and a great catch and run with a nice little block from from Q Patton. But for the most part, even I mean, it's, we're talking about an NFL quarterback. You need to hit NFL windows, make NFL throws, and when you are constantly one on one on the outside because the other team's worried about covering guys over the middle and coming up to stop the run. And you're not only passing them up, but not able to hit them when you do throw it. It's it's not going to end well. No, it, it's not. And you said it there. You're an NFL quarterback. You know, you, you make those throws. You at least attempt those throws. And he, he threw it downfield a couple of times in week two. That was nice to see. But you, you talk about these one-on-one matchups. That that's why you brought in Torrey Smith. You want him one-on-one on the outside. You know, run the seam. You know, throw throw it deep. Stretch the field. And and I can't stress it enough. Keep the ball on the read option. Gabbert, two weeks in, he, he he looked decent in week one, and I was starting to buy in. I was starting to, okay, maybe maybe Coach is making the right decision. And I mean, he just did not look good at all in this game. Had a couple of good throws, but that's about it. I mean, his QB rating, is it was poor. You know, we saw him ground balls again. We You look over on the field, and you've got a guy who, who led this team to how many playoff wins, you know, in Colin Kaepernick, and, and how long – until they go to him, Chip Kelly obviously saying, you know, no, 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 Gabbert's my quarterback. We're sticking with him, blah, blah, blah. And mm-hmm. It is probably a little early to make the switch here, but at the same time, what I can't wait a whole lot longer. <laughs> if they go into Seattle and get whooped up on a team that, you know, almost lost to Miami at home and then did lose to a Rams team that, that was thoroughly dominated by the 49ers in week one, then I'm calling for it. I, I'm going to, I'm going to get up on my soapbox and, and start chanting seven. Yeah, that's and that's only going to grow from not only us but from every fan out there. And the media is not going to stop until that, until either the 49ers are continually winning because every time they lose, it's going to go back to Gabbard, I'm sure. And they're going to be talking about Kaepernick. Um, and really, all, all Gabbard did was confirm what we already know or what I already know. And um, I know you're slow to come around on this, but he's a backup quarterback, and that's fine. I like him on the roster. Uh, I think he's a good guy. I think he's a good teammate. He's smart. Uh, he's not a starting winning NFL quarterback. He's a solid backup. That's what he is. And he continues to confirm that. And if, if he's going to be, if he's supposed to be this, this check down guy, short, intermediate, quick decisions guy, he has to be efficient. He has to be accurate and he's not. So, so it doesn't work. And we talked to Grant Cohn last week and he said, he's not Alex Smith part two because he's not accurate enough. And that's exactly right. So we're going to see Kaepernick. It's a matter of when I think, and to be honest, I think Chip Kelly answered that question on Monday when, when reporters asked him about Colin Kaepernick. It's about building himself back up and, and getting himself, you know, kind of where he feels and you can see where he's comfortable in terms of being able to play. And it's something that he's working extremely hard at. It's just, you know, you can't force that issue. He wasn't, he didn't lift for, I don't know how long it was since his operation, but I mean, I think people still forget he had a thumb, a shoulder, and a knee, you know, so it's very difficult to. Usually, if you have a knee, you can lift with your upper body, or if you have a, a shoulder, you can lift with your lower body. But he was really out of the weight room for six to eight months, and um, you know that's kind of what one of the things that that's one of his better traits is, is his work ethic is outstanding. So um, he's working extremely hard on that right now. You know, and we'll continue to see how he goes and how he develops. So it's really setting up for Kaepernick to be 
back at full strength, have more time with the offense in practice, and Blaine Gabbert basically has enough rope to hang himself with some really tough games and a tough schedule early on. We're going to see Cap. It's just a question of is it week three? Is it week five? Is it after the bye week eight? Yeah, and you know, af- after this game, you know, at Seattle, uh, again, a, a brutal week three matchup, the 49ers play four of their next five games at home. And and, and that seems like, you know, the, the time may be to to go to Kaepernick. You know, he's had the, the time to get into the weight room and, and get back in shape. And and if this team drops to, to one and two, I mean, all, all of this, you know, we're, we're complaining. We're, we're, you know, the sky's not falling. They are still in first place in the NFC West. As crazy as that <laughs> sounds right now, they have a division win. With tiebreakers. So, yeah, with the tiebreaker. They're in first place. Everybody's one and one in that division. The Rams are second. So it's it, it's kind of crazy right now to think about that. It, it, it They play 17, you know, 17 weeks of football. They play 16 games. It, it's very early. They had a bad game. They had a great game in week one. I, I'm. I can't wait to see what happens, you know, come one o'clock on, on Sunday and see which team shows up, which, which Carlos Hyde shows up, which read option Blaine Gabbert shows up, which defense shows up. They, they took a big hit in this game too. Ray Ray Armstrong has looked, he looked wonderful in game one. He was playing a pretty solid uh, week two and, and now he's gone for the season. Who That's steps rough. up? You know what, what's, what's going to happen? That defensive line looked solid, you know, yet again, not, not amazing. Of course, no pressure on Newton, but, like you said, maybe that was more based on scheme and not not just you know trying to go get him. It's really tough to see Ray Ray Armstrong go down because he totally won that inside linebacker job and he was flying around making plays. Really loved what I was seeing from him. So now it's it's going to be Hodges, I think, because he's. I, I don't know if I've even seen Will Hoyt on the field. Right. I mean, he's more of a, a backup for that uh, for for Bowman's position. Right. So yeah, maybe he's maybe he's just not. Maybe maybe we do see Rush. Maybe it's time you bring Rush up. Maybe Scove comes back up and mm-hmm. joins the team. A lot, a lot of stuff here going to happen in the next few days that that can really shape this roster. It's got to be a linebacker, so either Scove or Rush would make the most sense. They're on the practice squad, and it depends. Do you want the guy who can rush the passer, or do you want the, the guy who can back up Bowman if you're going to have Will Point backing up the other side all of a sudden? So that'll be interesting to see who they bring up. I don't know. Uh, do they need four middle linebackers? Probably right. not. I mean, you got Tart. I would like to see Tart play more of that role, to be honest with you. Get him on the field as much as possible because he's, I think he only logged maybe 21 snaps in the last game because he's not going to come in for Reed or Bethay, even though Bethay made an, an awful choice on that, that long Greg Olson touchdown. But Chip Kelly did say that it was, you know, that was something they saw on film a ton of times and they always took it to the corner and then they went to the post on that one. So they had never seen the corner post on tape and that was Bethay trying to jump the outside and, and he guessed really wrong on that play. And there was yeah. obviously nobody <laughs> behind him. Um, but other than that, he had a great game, a couple of turnovers involved with. So, you know, no problems with Bethay there. He's a leader on that team. And Eric Reed, I want to highlight him because he's come up really big and played so much better than he played last year. He looked more like that guy who who was a Pro Bowl alternate in his rookie year. And so that's good to see. And they're using him more in coverage, which is surprising because that lateral quicks has really never been his strength. Yeah, but he, he's he's holding his own, yes. you know, and we saw it in, you know, two for two so far. Let's just hope that continues. Uh and, and you know, let, let's wait to get into Seattle until maybe after we talk to Deanie. But yeah, I just ah, there's a, there's a lot a lot to look forward to this week. Seattle is definitely playing some some really bad football right now. I mean, their defense solid, but that's to be expected. It's it's on the offensive side that we can really we can really break it apart. Mm-hmm. If I may, I like to talk a lot about Trent Baalke and about the draft and stuff. And one of the most glaring things when you play a team like the Panthers, and after that game, mm. 
Kelvin Benjamin, who's oh. just this big monster. And, and Jimmy Ward did a really good job on him. But even when he was there, there was nothing you can do. He's got the size to just pull everything down. And Balky's lack of ability, especially in that 2014 class, which is just one of the best classes we've ever seen with wide receivers uh, in NFL history. And to come away with, you know, Bruce Ellington, when all these other teams are coming away with just studly wide receivers, there were so many of them. And even since then, not really dipping his toes in the water. Really, the A.J. Jenkins draft pick, I think, has scared him away from taking any receivers because it's just it's a blind spot for him. He doesn't want to go back there and draft one high, but it's glaring. This team needs, and even at running back, they, they need explosive talent on offense. They need playmakers on offense. And with when you combine Gabbert with what they have at wide receiver, and even Torrey Smith, who's the veteran, who's should be a big play guy. They're not going to toss to him much down the field with Gabbert. And he looks frustrated. There's balls that were that he could have made adjustments for, and it didn't look like he was even trying hard to go after those. And and Gabbert's bouncing the short ones, which really isn't Torrey Smith's strength anyway. So, gosh, that passing game is is frustrating because they, they can't go that far this season, even if everything else clicks and things line up. I don't, I don't know if they can get past that. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree with you more. And if, if Gabbert's not going to keep the read option, I'm going to beat it to death because that is a huge <laughs> part of the Chip Kelly offense. And it's been a huge part of, of Colin Kaepernick throughout his career is keeping the read option and making you know them keep an extra linebacker, keep a safety in. And, and that does open things up downfield, albeit Kaepernick not the best at reading you know a defense after he does step back in the pocket. You know, it's usually one read and run. But when he runs, he's proven that that he, he is a very powerful weapon in a team that doesn't have a lot of weapons. Ah, man, I'm just I'm ready. I'm ready for it. Yeah, Cap will definitely make the right decisions. And it, as athletic as Gabbard is, and you know he's no slouch. He can run around a little bit. We've seen that. But Cap is just a, a, a like you said, a weapon. And mm-hmm. I think he'll make better decisions at least with the read option. Here, here's one thing about Gabbard that's frustrating is that. He obviously makes quicker decisions than Cap, but Cap is I, I don't know if Cap if it's a situation where he can't make better and quicker decisions or he's just trying to make a bigger play. Where Gabbert right. is almost completely opposite where he doesn't want to look for a big play. I, I, I almost think that he's not I, he's almost going through the motions, it looks like at times, because he's checking down so fast. When you get rid of the ball before two seconds, you don't even have time to see if that guy's post route becomes open, right? Right. And and I saw multiple times on on film this week where these guys are one on one. You're an NFL quarterback. This is the throw you have to make. They're 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 daring you to make this throw and let your guy make a play. And there's so many passes he he just passes up. He doesn't even take a look. So it's it's almost it's you want to say they're quick reads, but I think he's almost like cheating on the test a little bit. He's not even making that reads. <laughs> he's just going down to the to the short stuff immediately and bypassing possibly a bigger play. And you see someone like Cam Newton. Cam Newton's not getting rid of the ball in, you know, one and a half seconds, two, two and a half seconds. He's he's holding on to the ball, and he makes the throw downfield, and guess what? They make a big play. So I want to see more of that. If Gabbard's going to stay in there, he's got to hold in the pocket, and it's not like he's getting pressured. He's got he's to throw some of those one-on-one matchups on the outside, and he's got to hit some. Yeah, and you know, to, to Gabbert's defense a little bit, you know, this offensive line isn't what we thought it was heading into the season. You know, there was a lot of Anthony Davis talk, Joshua Garnett, and, you know, they've both seen very few snaps so far this season. And, and you know, Davis obviously in the concussion protocol now, um, Garnett 
uh, finally finally saw the field in week two, and he's now you know at both right and left guard. And maybe in a few weeks, th- those two guys are in there, and and there is a little bit more time to hang out in the pocket and and make the make the correct read. And you know by that time, though, I mean it, it might be the Kaepernick show. So a lot rides on this weekend for for Gabbard, I believe. Yeah, now that you bring up the offensive line, I think this is a perfect time to uh, get Jeff Dini on the phone because he's got some insight here. My colleague at Pro Football Focus and looking at the numbers, it's a clear upgrade over last season with the offensive line. And two of the division rivals for the 49ers have two of the worst offensive lines in the league. So uh, let's talk a little bit more about that. And joining us now is analyst and 49ers media correspondent at Pro Football Focus, Unfortunately, he's also a Cubs fan. I don't know how he's not a Giants fan. I know he's a big Sharks fan. He he actually uh, stiff-armed us one time because he had to watch a Sharks game instead of come on the show with us. But uh, joining us now, always a great guest and very knowledgeable about 49ers and the NFL in general. That is Jeff Dini. What's going on, guys? Oh, not too much. You know, I, I was looking at your Twitter bio. I didn't realize you were a Cubs fan. Yeah, long story. I mean, I'm born and raised in the Bay Area. It's the one non-barrier team that I actually root for, but we had WGN when I was a little kid on yeah. our on our TV system, so I kind of fell in love with the Cubs and Wrigley Field when I was a little kid. So, you know, my parents didn't do anything about it when I was a kid, so uh, <laughs> I, I, I have suffered for many years. They didn't set you straight. I have a ton of friends like that falling in love with WGN and, and Harry Carey broadcasts. Yeah, I grew up Harry Carey and Steve Stone, and yeah, mm-hmm. so we actually – we try to go back once a year if we can, and we were my wife and I were actually were there in 2003 for the the Bartman game, so that was quite an experience. Well, let's get to the 49ers here. The the first thing I want to talk about, and obviously it's the most glaring thing with the 49ers, and it has been it will, it, it will probably be all season long is hanging over the head of Chip Kelly and 49ers fans is uh, you know the Gabbert versus Kaepernick thing, and we've gotten past the national anthem stuff. Now it's focusing on football. Blaine Gabbert. I mean, what did you see, and what do the stats say about Blaine Gabbert in Week 2? So I think you see a little bit of good with, with Gabbert. I mean, I saw the 75-yard touchdown with Vance McDonald. Um, was was a great throw. The second one of Vance McDonald, which unfortunately he dropped, which would have been another 70-yard touchdown, was a great throw. But aside from that, I think, you know, some of the things are pretty obvious to see where he's struggling. I think the accuracy, you know, he's he's how many plays they've left on the field because he's bounced balls to guys. I mean, it seems like he's got a pretty good slayer that falls off the table at times where, I mean, they're just, he's just short hopping guys. And <laughs> exactly. I, think that, I think the decision-making at times has been, has been a question mark too, where I think he's, you know, been checking down and maybe had guys open a little more downfield. Um, you know, we, we've had him after two weeks. He's, he's 32nd out of 34 quarterbacks in our site. You know, he's averaging, you know, just 5.8 yards at 10, which I think is also his 32nd. You know, he's, he's made some plays with his legs, which have been good. And I think, one thing he did well against the Rams was just getting rid of the ball quickly. I think, you know, a lot of the main reason why, well, there's two main reasons why he didn't get sacked against the Rams. One was Joe Staley to shut down Robert Quinn, but the rest of the line really had a rough day, but he got rid of the ball in, I think average was about 2.03 seconds in week one. So a lot of the times that Aaron Donald was wreaking havoc on the rest of the line, he was able to get rid of the ball before Donald got to him. Um, So, I mean, he did a good job there, but you know, I, it's, I think this is kind of what you know everyone expected from Blaine Gabbard. It's kind of what you're seeing. So now the question is, you have Colin Kaepernick on the bench. You know, is he ready to come in? I know they're talking about you know he's still trying to gain weight and learn the offense and stuff. And, and is you know is there a time in the next few weeks where if things don't get better, either one loss wise or Gabbard's performance, if you need to make a change? 
Yeah, you know, you mentioned that, Jeff, and uh, the, the, after this week, the 49ers do have uh, back-to-back home games and, and four of their next five. I, I've already, you know, kind of made the prediction that if, if Blaine doesn't come out and, and lead this team to a victory, that I think it might be might be a gap, uh, Kaepernick time there. But real quick, let's jump over to the defensive line because I felt like uh, I felt like Cam Newton just had all day to throw. I mean, zero pressure on this guy all game. How did the pass rush grade out? Yeah, I mean, obviously the passer looked pretty good against the St. Louis, you know, especially Armstead and Buckner from inside. You know, Tank had a good game. I think he had five hurries and like 13 pass rushes against the Rams. They had pressured Keenum, I think, close to 40% of his dropbacks. Against Carolina, obviously it's a much different story. I mean, he they pressured him, I think, 24% of his dropbacks. And obviously Cam's holding the ball quite a bit, too. So, I mean, you think there's more of an opportunity to, to get some pressure on him. Really, the defensive line, I mean, Armstead had a pretty good game, kind of pushed in the pocket. But aside from that, that was about it. I mean, they didn't really get anything from the edge. Aaron or Maud Brooks did not register a pressure. Um, I think Eli Harold had two, Tank had one. And that was it from all your outside linebackers. So, I mean, they're really missing Aaron Lynch. Um, but and that was, I think, the one thing. They were trying to, to get some pressure on Cam Newton, keep him in the pocket, and maybe disrupt him a little bit. And that, that just didn't work, and he had a field day. It would be interesting if Marcus Rush is the guy who gets the call to replace Ray Ray Armstrong on the uh, the active roster since Ray Ray is going to be done for the year. And I believe, if I'm not mistaken, Rush was the number one ranked pass rusher in the preseason and the worst run defending outside linebacker in football. So that's what you're going to yeah, get with he, Rush. He was, just, he was number one pass rush grade. I think against the run, he was I have about 150 guys. He was very close to the bottom. And I think that's the only thing that you are going to activate him and Give a few snaps is definitely on third down where it's, you know, definite passing down. He can pin his ears back and, and take a rush at the quarterback because if you need him in the run game, I don't think he's going to give you too much there. Real quick, let's, you know, we, let's get off of the Carolina. Let's look ahead to Seattle this week. Uh, it, the 49ers offensive line has definitely been better this season. I feel like the Seahawks has been much, much worse. Am, am I right? Yeah. I mean, I don't know if their line could have got worse, but maybe it did. Um, I mean, They've been really sick. Aside from, I think, Justin Britt at center, the other four guys have been deep in the red in our grades as far as negative. I know uh, Jamarcus Webb at right guard is our worst-ranked guard in the league after two weeks, and Gary Gilliam is our worst-ranked tackle, at, and he's at right tackle um, after two weeks. I mean, the right side of their line has really been struggling, both in the run game and the pass protection. Uh, they're, I mean, they're having a hard time opening up holes for the running backs. They're the Seahawks running backs are averaging, I think, 0.5 yards a carry before contact. And I think if you actually just look at Rawls, he's actually like a minus 0.4. So if you kind of map that out, he's basically averaging getting hit behind the line of scrimmage on every carry. So they're really not getting any holes there. You know, Russell Wilson's been getting pressured, I think, close to about 38, 39% so far. The two weeks is, I think, fourth highest in the league. So the interesting thing with Wilson, though, is his stats are two weeks. He's actually averaging 5.1 yards an attempt when he's got a clean pocket and no pressure. He's averaging 9.8 yards an attempt when he's been under pressure for two weeks. It kind of plays into his game and, you know, creating and making plays with his leg. I mean, just he's taken that to a different level for two weeks. So, so Jeff, the, the Seattle defense, obviously, you know, coming in first against yards, you know, first against points, looking solid against both passing and rushing. Does, does this 49ers offense – have have any sort of chance this weekend? I mean, is it is it based solely on the line? Does Gabbert really need to step it up? I mean, is Carlos Hyde going to have a chance to get free? What what's your opinion, just kind of on things are where things are headed this weekend for that 49ers offense? 
yeah, I mean, we're talking about, you know, Gabbert and Kaepernick and, and when might be the time to replace him. You look at Gabbert's, you know, the first five games for Gabbert, and it's like, oh, yeah, the Rams are one of the best defenses in the league, and then Carolina, and now at Seattle, which doesn't get any better. So I think you're going to probably see a game plan kind of similar to the Rams, where it's a lot of dinking and dunking, getting rid of the ball very quickly. Because one, obviously, they have a really good pass rush with, with Bennett and Averill, and Frank Clark's having a really good year so far. And, you know, then you throw in the crowd noise and everything else up there, and, you know, they're already at a disadvantage with the snap count. That they're, you know, he's he's going to be running for his life. He's going to need to get rid of the ball really quickly. So I think you'll see something similar. I mean, you look at Gabbert against the Rams, he averaged, I think his average target was about 5.7 yards downfield. And then against Carolina, it was actually up to 11. And I think part of that was they got behind and started throwing downfield. But definitely a sign of, in week one, it was a lot of short dump offs to tight ends running backs. So I think you're going to see a lot of similar stuff against the Seahawks. I just don't see him having the time to throw back there. So one of the things that I've liked about uh, the 2016 49ers so far is their ability to get off the field on third downs, especially in that first game. I, I think they're going to be stout all year against the run. Um, obviously, Fozzie ran a little bit on them, which was which was a little bit weird. Um, I think they'll get that cleaned up. But the, the Russell Wilson versus the third down defense is really the thing I'm looking at this uh, this week in Seattle. And Russell, to me, just looks banged up. And I think this is a time where everything comes together, where the offensive line is really terrible in Seattle, and the 49ers can get after Russ, and he's not going to be making as many plays as he used to with his legs and possibly you know, knock a player like that out of the game. I, I'm, not, I'm not sitting back and, and, and sort of trying to contain Russell Wilson this week. I'm trying to go after him. Yeah, I think especially with the ankle, so you're, the mobility is a little bit of a question there. And I think you know it's kind of similar how the Rams pulled off the win last week. I think if the Niners do, it would have to be some kind of ugly – you know, 13 to 10 game where they kind of got it out of win and just didn't make mistakes, didn't turn the ball over, um, played some good defense. I mean, like you said, they're really good on third down against the Rams. Against Carolina, they kind of gave up a couple on penalties, and a few times Cam just made, you know, unbelievable throws that are right on the money where guys had good coverage where they just made the play. But I think if they can get off the field against Russell, not let him, you know, run around and make plays if he has the ability to do that. You know, and, and hold them in check. Their offense has struggled for two weeks. They're not. You know, they didn't score many points against Miami. They kind of pulled that game out at the end, and then they looked really bad last week in Los Angeles. So, if they can kind of, you know, they need to keep the score down, where it's like a thirteen ten or something ugly like that. If they get to be a shootout, I think they're going to be in trouble. So obviously, it's a symbiotic relationship there with getting after Russell Wilson and then covering on the back end. I've been impressed with Jimmy Ward. He's looked like a corner. I mean, obviously, his size disadvantage. Uh, hurt him against Kelvin Benjamin this week, but Rashard Robinson also has looked good in his limited reps. I mean, what have you seen from the secondary? Yeah, I mean, Ward had a really good game against the Rams. I mean, last week, if you just look at the stats and what he was targeting, how many yards he gave up, it was kind of high, but he actually graded out pretty average with us. I mean, there was a couple of plays like that. I mean, Noon just put a couple just right on the money and good coverage, and then there was, there was a one play up, in, up the seam where Ward got his hands on and Benjamin still ended up bringing it down. I mean, there's two plays were just like, you kind of you know, have really good coverage. Just kind of tip your hat to the quarterback and the wide receiver made great plays. So, um, you know, he's been actually looking really good. And then Rashad Robinson, the interesting thing with him, I know last week his time was limited. He, he got hurt in the first half, but he went through uh, the Rams game, 23 coverage snaps, did not get targeted. He played eight against Carolina, still hasn't been targeted. So he's gone 31 pass snaps in two weeks and no one has thrown a pass his way yet. So, I mean, I think that's, a pretty good sign, especially for a rookie, that he's, uh, you know, 
doing a pretty good job locking down his guy. And I mean, you would think it'd be the opposite. They'd be trying to pick on him. Yeah, all he has to do now is hit the weight room a little bit, and they might really have something for Sharp Robinson. <laughs> yeah, unfortunately, the one play where he kind of stuck his nose in there with Benjamin when he hurt his shoulder. But, uh, I mean, that's the one thing, you know, a young guy. I mean, obviously, I think, you know, if he can put on a little bit of weight and, you know, get a little better against the run. But he's he's shown, even when we were at training camp, so he looked like he had some really good, I mean, physically, he's got the coverage skills. I think just kind of keeping his, his mental focus in the game is where he needs to improve a little bit. And he's not afraid to mix it up. Uh, looking at his college tape, he went up against uh, Mike Evans. And actually, Evans didn't have a very big game against him, but there was one play in particular where I think Evans put him on the ground three separate times on the same play. So strength is going to be an <laughs> issue there, if nothing else. Jeff Dini, pro football focus. I think I, I, you sent out a tweet earlier this week. You said the week five Thursday game, Arizona. That's that's really a smart time. And if you're betting, I had... Over under before last week when we uh, when we did the show I had or before the first week I had Gabbert starting four games and Kaepernick coming in after that and when I when I go back and look the Arizona game maybe you wait till after Arizona to put Cap in there with how he, how bad he looked against Arizona but it is at home in that week five game so I mean do you have an over under for for when Cap gets in if you had to guess yeah I mean I kind of got two landing spots because you figure. You know, and then you just said that week right after that week five game against Arizona, which is on a Thursday. So I don't think they do it before then, just because it's a short week. But if you wanted to go after that, then he's got ten days to prepare for. They're at Buffalo the following week, which the Jets just load up for thirty-seven points to the point where they well they fire their offensive coordinator, I guess. But uh, um, but I mean, I think that gives them ten days to prepare for that game. And I mean, that's where you kind of you know you look at Gabbert kind of having to go through the gauntlet of St. Louis. In Carolina and Seattle, I mean, Dallas is, is, is struggling, but, you know, and then Arizona, it's four teams that have top defenses in the league, and then Cap kind of gets a soft landing spot against Buffalo. And then if you didn't go there, then you look two weeks later, after the Week 7 Tampa Bay game, they have a bye. So then you'd have two weeks to prepare, and they're at home against New Orleans, who, I mean, for the last two years, had one of the worst pass defenses in the league. So, I mean, that's another landing spot, I guess, or a soft landing spot, where if you want to, to have Kaepernick make his debut, that might be a good spot too. So I, I'm those are the two. If things kind of continue to go the way they go, are the two spots I'd look to see where if they made a change, it might be there. Always great information, Jeff Dini. You can find him at PFF underscore Jeff on Twitter. Jeff, thanks for coming on the show. No problem, anytime, guys. Thanks, Jeff. So it was funny that he brought up the the Gabbert slider. I always called it the sinker, but the, which <laughs> yeah. which reminds me of another thing I tweeted out a couple of days ago is that. You could fix the 49ers and the Giants in just one move. You ready for this? <laughs> Blaine Gabbert for Jeff Samarja. You give, there you go. You give the Giants a fantastic sinker slider leading reliever, and then you Samarja be the best receiver, or at least a, a, a receiver with size on the 49ers from his no days back at Notre it. Dame. So uh, that's my that's my inter-sport trade. And sinker, slider, it doesn't matter. They both end up in the dirt. That's where you want it as a late-inning reliever, not hanging exactly. them like Hunter Strickland. Yeah. By the way, has there been a fight in this Giants-Dodgers game tonight yet? I don't have it on. I have on. not seen one yet. Okay. Uh, they better not be wearing those shirts tonight. At this point, that's the best I can ask for as a Giants fan is to see a fight with the Dodgers. Just a, a right. melee because, it, it, gosh. You know, speaking of rivalries, I mean, this weekend's the biggest, right? I mean, it's Seahawks, huge. 49ers, that, that's kind of their rivalry. Yeah, 49ers head to Seattle trying to get their first win in Seattle since 2011. Yeah, and uh, you know that was kind of the time to catch them. Seattle not playing very well. They've 
only scored 15 points this season. Russell Wilson banged up. Rawls is banged up. He's got a bruised leg. He might not even play in this game. Doug Baldwin also questionable. I mean, yeah, their defense is stout, but yeah, now seems like a, a good time to go into that house and, and pick up a win, something they do extremely rarely. Mm-hmm, absolutely. And gosh, that offensive line is terrible. Looking, I watched that. Nine to three Rams Seahawks game from last week, and wow, you thought that that Monday night game, week one was bad. This game was yeah. borderline unwatchable, and part of it is because the lines are so bad, and both teams excel on the defensive line that those n- neither team could do anything. Every play was dead in the water just about before it started. That was I feel like was, that is what nineteen like thirty football looked like. <laughs> pretty much, yeah. If you had like just no lines on the field and mud everywhere. Right. That's pretty much a 1930s football game right there. No helmets, no passing, just just kind of run it up the middle, get stuffed, move it two yards, start again. You're absolutely right, though. This is when you want to hit Seattle. And even I'm glad they're hitting him at home here to start the season with the banged up Russell Wilson. And, you know, they're still good on defense. I mean, they're, they're still going to get after the run. They're still going to be able to rush the passer. And I think Jeff's probably right that they're you're going to see more of the same quick passing tempo from the 49ers. Yeah, I just, I you know, I beat it to death in the Carolina game. I'm going to do it again. Gabbert's got to keep that read option if you want to keep them honest. And and if you want to get Hyde going, that's going to need to happen, you know, or or he's just going to keep running into the line and he's going to keep getting banged up and he's going to get hurt because he hasn't shown that he can stay healthy. And if he keeps getting hit as soon as he's getting the ball, he's not going to last very long. He's taking a beating. I've been impressed with him uh, being able to withstand that beating. and But but it also makes me nervous, man, because he's one of the best players and really the biggest playmaker on offense at this point. It really shows because Drone is not, you know, a sup- supremely athletic guy. Um, he's tough and he's smart and he, he can run the ball a little bit. Uh, he can pass protect and he can catch, but he's not making big plays after the catch, really. The 49ers don't have that guy, and if they're not going to throw down the field to Torrey Smith, uh, you know, Jeremy Curley, I think, is has been the second highest rated player at PFF after Joe Staley on the 49ers offense. And he's only been with the team for less than a month. So that tells you about how much talent they have on offense. They basically just pulled this guy off another roster that he wasn't going to make. Um, right. And he's, he's pretty much starring in this, you know, real quick, let's, let's, let's give the 49ers a little bit of credit. I mean, yeah, we've been bashing their offense. It hasn't looked that great. You know, it's, it's been somewhat predictable, but They've put up 55 points over the first two weeks of the season against two pretty good defenses. I mean, yeah. the, the Rams are no slouch, and then Carolina, obviously known for their defense. So that's they, they've done well against that. And here they are for a third straight week going up against a top-ranked defense. Uh, this offensive line has shown up, and and they've done they've done well. Uh, they just they. Imagine if Gabbert were making the throws. You know, imagine if he was hitting his open receivers. Imagine if yeah. Vance McDonald does catch that second uh, big big play of the game and and he scores a touchdown there. You know, it's he could be getting a lot more help from his receivers. You know, either if being more talented or just you know catching the balls that he is throwing out there. Um, and obviously, we're, we can probably expect that from Vance. We've seen him enough to know that he's going to drop some, uh, but he can make some big plays too. So hopefully, he continues to do that. And yep, yeah, Chip. I mean. I'm still all about Chip. I, I, Despite the loss last week, I really love this coaching staff. Both sides of the ball, I think, are doing a pretty good job. And the 49ers are going to score a lot more points than they scored last year. I, I think there's no question in that, not only with the offensive line, just a little bit better scheme. I think they're just coached better. 
yeah, I think I think you know from top to bottom, this is a better football team than Absolutely. it was a year ago, and there's a lot of room to still get better, and that's that's really exciting. I mean, this is a one and one football team. Uh, they they are definitely they've got a brutal schedule right now, but it, it's gonna get a little bit easier. Like I said, after this week, they play four out of five games at home. Uh, th- there's a lot of things to look forward to. There's still the the Kaepernick side of it. You know, there's always that there's always that light at the end of the tunnel. Uh, for for everyone for 49er fans right now if you're if you're looking and you're seeing Gabbert and you're saying oh man he's throwing more ground balls well you know there's always Kaepernick and then you know and then if he comes in and plays bad you're like well there's always Ponder's gonna be there and then they're gonna be like yeah who else is on the street that we can pick up right Josh Johnson's still around (laughs) so the one thing I worry about looking at the Seahawks um obviously their defense is good so this this could be something that's another ugly an ugly fest like last week's game with the Rams and Seahawks. I don't think it's going to be nine to three necessarily, but um, right. the thing that worries me the most is probably Tyler Lockett, just because mm-hmm. the big playability. We saw we saw Fozzie make a couple big plays, and the 49ers are really good at containing the run. They're stout, they're tough, but they've they've kind of been hit with some big plays here, and it, it's something that hurt them last year, and it happened with Greg Olson even over the middle. So when you're blitzing a lot of guys, if you are able and if Russ is able to get away and get away from the pass rush and evade and get somebody in space like Tyler Lockett, who's really athletic, that's that's the one thing I'm worried about is getting hit with some big plays like that. Yeah, and, you know, you say that to, to be worried. Well, here's some things to be, you know, positive about and, and look forward to is they don't have huge receivers like Kelvin Benjamin. And mm-hmm. they have a horrible offensive line, which is, you know, exactly the opposite of what Carolina had going on. So if they can get some pressure on Wilson, who whose escapability is, you know, if he's not the best in the NFL, I would definitely put him up there. I mean, I've seen this guy spin out of what appeared to be five guys running at him, and he's, oh, now he's running all by himself for 25 yards. and It's very frustrating as a 49er fan, but I, I feel like <laughs> if, if this defense can get some pressure on him and, and there's not these big wide receivers to go up and get the ball, I could I could see some more turnovers. I could see, I could see this thing turn out really well for the 49ers, which doesn't, like I said earlier, it doesn't happen a lot in Seattle. Yep, and the timing of this game with Russ being banged up, he's, he was Perfect. not running around like normal Russell Wilson in last week's game against the Rams, and that's part of the reason why the Rams were able to contain their offense so well. And so yeah. if that's the case, I mean, and w- dude, when are teams going to figure out the Russell Wilson escape routes, the back door? He always yeah. does the every thing time. where he goes spin the out. back way and spins spin out. out of it, and he gets away every single time. Yeah. But he's not spinning out as quick, and when he was getting in the open field after and trying to, yeah, he wasn't running like he usually does. So this is the time to... uh to really make them pay and, and maybe get some hits on Russell Wilson. And, um, and you know, a lot of stuff with the bad offensive line, Marshawn Lynch did a lot in the past, making up for a bad offensive line and creating a ton. He led the league in, in broken tackles almost every year. So that's another interesting aspect that they don't have. Rawls is banged up as well. Kristen Michael is kind of talented, but also a, out of his mind a little a bit. Disappointment yeah, too. He's, I mean, he's a disappointing player. And I, I don't know if they can put all their trust in him. So, Stop that run. Get after Russ. I guess we can get to the predictions part of this, and um, I won't go this far. So I think we're going to win, and I think we're going to win maybe substantially, but let's just see what happens. <laughs> I, 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 can't sit, I can't sit here and predict the 49ers are going to go to Seattle and win because it's been so difficult there. But um, like you predicted last week, I think this will be a very close game, and, and I think it's going to be decided by a big play here or there, a big turnover here or there, um, and probably by a field goal. I'm going to say the 49ers – Lose this one, 2017. 2017, wow. See, I would put it similar to I, to I thought how last week was going to go. Maybe a 14-10 to 10 
contest or even, you know, 12 to nine, you know, something mm-hmm. where th- this, these offenses can't get going because both do have pretty solid defenses. And I, I feel like the 49ers can go win this game. I mean, they, they've put up 55 points against two really solid defenses and, you know, Vegas is, is not giving the 49ers a chance. You know, it, it's minus 10 right now, you know, 10 point dogs, which, and it's based on a lot of history. I get it. I do. And, you know, I'm going to put myself out there again, just like I did last week. And I'm going to predict the 49ers squeak this one out and, and really just they, they show the Seattle has weaknesses. And and they do. Miami almost beat them. L.A. did beat them. This is not a good football team. And, and I think that this is the year that that maybe Seattle, their defense can't get them through because their magic man, Russell Wilson's banged up and maybe he never gets healthy because he doesn't take any time off. And wow, what a huge boost that would be to go in week three and take over and will keep the lead in the NFC West and beat a rival, especially the Seahawks in Seattle. That would be a massive, massive win. And it can be done. It absolutely can be done. And the reason I put 17 points on the board for the 49ers is it's obvious that they can score this season. And that's awesome to see. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. I mean, they've shown it, like I said, 55 points, but they've also given up 46 points. So, <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. All of them in one game, obviously. And it's funny because that Vegas line looked terrible. And you're thinking everybody who bet on the 49ers was stoked. And all of a sudden, it got out of hand at the end. And it was not anywhere near a close game. Right, right. I was feeling pretty good as when they got within seven there in the fourth. Mm -hmm. And there's the turnovers. And see, this is what's – and I don't want to be a broken record here. But when it came down to the 49ers were forced to throw and they were forced to be put in these – Third and long right. situations, you know, and that's not Gabbert's strength. And, you know, he made some bad reads on some plays. The, the interception to to Curley was the worst one because it, he wasn't open. And there was numerous guys around him that were singled up on the outside. And he tried to force a throw in there. Keekley had the inside position on that curl route. And there was another defender, a, a defensive back in a zone on the other side of him. So he was, you know, bracketed on both sides. And so just a bad read. It's not getting any easier right. this so, week. I mean. It's got to be like that. It's got to be like the the script against the Rams. It's got to be killing them on defense. They're stopping the run. The game is close, and it's not an obvious pass pass situation for the 49ers. They're able. They have to be able to run the ball to move the ball on offense, and then in turn be able to do some play action stuff and, and then pass around that. But they've got to be able to run the ball first and foremost. Yeah, and it's tough let's against do it. Seattle. It's tough. So it, it's going to be a grind, and so we'll see. But uh, yeah, they're going to be in this football game. And we're going to see a lot about what the 49ers are and if they can bounce back from the loss last week and if they could win a big game on the road or even just look really good on the road. And if Chip can put up some points against that Seattle defense, it'll be interesting. Can't wait. (laughs) All right, well, let's get out of here. We'll talk to you next week after a big game in Seattle, and we'll be seeing the uh, Dallas Cowboys in week four and possibly uh, celebrating a victory. Yeah, let's hope so. I mean, I don't want to see Kaepernick soon you know i'd rather see him later in the season or not at all i'd I'd love it if all of a sudden gabbert you know took the took a hold of this thing and and ran with it but you know let's see what he can do this weekend it's a big one for him it's a big one we will talk to you after the big one next time see you